my guest today is perhaps the most creative person i know he's also one of those guys who had it all figured out when we were probably 14 or 15 years old devaya or dave as some of our friends call him spent about a decade in agencies like ogilvy and mather mudra and loblintas um, and then he moved on to be head writer for aib or all india bakchod which was one of the country's first comedic groups and youtube phenoms he recently has started this company called all things small it's a media company that is reinventing reporting storytelling and much else if you find something on the internet there's a high likelihood that dev has written it directed it acted in it or perhaps know someone who has put it all together so i'm going to talk to him about what his creative process is like how does he put words on a page about his transitioning from a startup operator to now being a founder and what does it take to kind of innovate under constraints this and much more in a brand new episode of the startup operator so welcome dev great to have you on a podcast hey thanks man uh, just send me a copy of that i'll use that for my linkedin description <laughs> yeah so did you like the intro that's quite good impressive quite impressive yeah. yeah so what 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 are you most proudest of in that intro uh that uh, you know uh, uh, that you think i i thought uh, that i had it all figured out when i was 12 or 13 if i can mislead you i think i can mislead anyone else because you know me pretty much uh, from when we were uh, still missing in our pants yeah. yeah no not well well that in we weren't missing in our pants i mean i don't know about you but i wasn't Yeah I mean that was probably 6 or 7 right <laughs> we we weren't still pressing in our pants but anyway 6 or 7 yeah. i suppose yeah, yeah but but yeah I mean you did uh, do all of those advertising internships and everything right when we were out there playing cricket or whatever else uh, you know during the summers yeah i mean uh, i i think that was my dad's way of trying to keep me busy and so that he could <laughs> yeah, get more reading right. time at home yeah so he would uh, just uh, set me up on, on these internships and i would just go there and there's zero pressure but i would soak in a lot and uh, just seeing the atmosphere like i i interned in jwt bangalore uh, after my second pre so what we were about 16 17 then yeah so uh, and uh, back then jwt bangalore i think was the best agency in the country so just like just being in that floor with all the creative people as a 17 year old not contributing in any way but just absorbing Uh, yeah. with zero pressure i think um, was just fast. It, it was a really good experience in your formative years it's the kind of experience that you'd like to have and um, so yeah so, so 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 those kind of things really helped me you know like i think uh, uh, internships at a very young impressionable age with people who are at the top of their game uh, you automatically know where the bar is yeah so, you don't waste time following the wrong people or figuring out how good you are supposed to be when mm-hmm. you've seen the best working uh, you know put pulling things off so uh, i can't yeah. agree more yeah i i agree 100% because a couple of things right so one is that when you start working there is all of this office stuff that you have to immediately adjust to mm-hmm. uh, and it could be you know small little things in terms of how you talk to your peers or how you write some emails or whatever else it is mm. and aside from that i mean 
you know, you learn the maximum through osmosis, right? I mean, you learn through being around fantastic people, watching them do uh, fantastic work, right? Yes. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that is like the best uh, college you can go to. Um, yeah. And uh, I, 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 you know, uh, the reason why uh, advertising uh, threw up such good people is because most of them never, at least in the creative and in, at least as copywriters, because there was no copywriting colleges back then. And I don't think there are still good copywriting colleges. So most of them there are learning on the job, looking, listening, just using common sense. So those become your skills that you that you that you develop over a period of time because that was what like that is the most essential thing when you get into an agency at that uh, at, at such a young age is what mm-hmm. you can listen what you can see what you can absorb so if if those are the three things that got you the gig uh, those are the three things that you just keep developing over a period of time and uh, that is what makes all the difference so uh, internships were like i think uh, was was just a blessing for me yeah no i mean the earlier you start the better i feel yeah Yes, yes, more certainly. So, so let's start with, uh, you know, how you got into AIB. Uh, mm. I know I've heard the story like a couple of times before, but I never tire of uh, hearing this story. So go on, tell us how you got into AIB. Oh, so, so I'll tell you what, like uh, I was in advertising and advertising was kind of, uh, for me, uh, hitting a dead end. Like it wasn't like just working anymore. Like, you know, it wasn't like, I, I, there was no passion involved. Um, I was treating it more like office. And uh, th- this was especially the last uh, one year of advertising and uh, when I was there. Um, and I was, I knew something was off. Like, but I just didn't know what it was. So what I did was I just said like, you know what, this crew work i will treat work like work i will not treat it like my passion instead like let me just go running concentrate on my body and my fitness and i just started looking inward uh but at the same time what used to happen is uh thanks to facebook like uh i used to write a lot of uh, shit as updates and they would get a lot of likes and uh yeah, so yeah. people started like kind of noticing uh uh my uh social media activity uh so one of them who noticed that was girish uh, who was who used to sit across like you know two rows away from where i used to sit in 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 office where i was working at that point in time but we never made conversation uh, but uh, he would follow my social media and then he got approached by tanmay to sort of join aib as their like you know the aib was like trying to put together a writing team they were just trying to expand so they got him on board and then they asked giri like you know who do you want to come get on board as your writing partner and then uh, we had never worked together and he sort of told uh, tanmay about me and tanmay met me uh, in starbucks um and uh, the meeting was decent and then he gave me something called the copy test and i thanked uh, that copy test very badly so i uh, tried to over impress uh, uh, you know uh, with my writing and that just didn't go well uh, but also what was happening at that point is i on social media i had like a couple of accounts that i had created one was called ninnaji uh, in that was in 2011 2012 and that had just gone super viral it was basically a horny grandmother so what was happening in the world uh, from the point of view of a horny grandmother and uh, uh, that, that that really killed killed and so i sort of started understanding how social media works through you know these side projects um 
And then I, uh, along with another friend of mine, Nikhil Narayanan, who was my colleague at that point, uh, we started this fake Vijay Malia account on Twitter. And that account kind of really blew up. Um, uh, The funny story is, I'll tell you how the account actually blew up. So initially, we were tweeting funny stuff from that account as, you know, basically being broke and like as a broke Vijay Malia. And a lot of celebrities would think it is the real Vijay Malia. And they would start interacting with us. They wouldn't see the extra L in Malia. And uh, what happened is, uh, after a point, like we would tweet something like, uh, watch Rajni's movie today. I'm going to pledge 23% of my UB shares to Rajni Khan. And Tamil news outlets would pick it up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's <laughs> pretty cool, you know. And we started doing shit like this. Uh, and then obviously Vijay Malaya got to know. Okay. And then I think what he did next kind of defines the kind of person he is and why, the, why his company went broke. So, one day we wake up and our phones are jammed, like it's buzzing and like it's hung and it's like crazy amount of notifications, like a lot of followers. They're like, what the fuck happened? We didn't tweet anything. And then we see the real Vijay Malaya has tweeted saying that, uh, please do not follow this account. And he's mentioned, <laughs> it is a fake account. <laughs> and everyone, thanks to him, came and checked out this account. They're like, hey, this account is funny. We need to follow this account. And they start following this account. So uh, basically, what I would do is, I would take that account and then I would troll Tanmay. <clears throat> I would troll Rohan, I troll Lashish, I troll Kamba. Okay, from the fake Vijayamalya account. Almost like on a regular basis. And I would troll Tanmay on a regular basis, asking for a job, whatever. So everything. But then coincidentally, our meeting actually happened and he didn't know I was fake Vijayamalya. And um, then what if I gave the copy test, I completely messed it up. And uh, then I sent it to him and then uh, Tanmay calls me up. And, uh, you know, this is what I liked about him. He was very, like, I just picked up the phone and he's like, uh, if I went through your copy test, uh, frankly, it's not good. It's, it's, uh, it's just not up to the market. It's, uh, it's, it's just not good at all. Uh, but you know what, like, uh, uh, Girish tells me you're good. So let me give you another shot. And then he sent me another copy test. So in my mind, first, I was very pissed off. Okay, I'm like, what? How can, like, who the hell is this guy just calling me up and saying he's not good? So I was very pissed. I'm like, I'm not putting so much effort into this. And he sent me the copy test. I completely forgot about it. And then a week later, he messages us saying, hey, uh, are you replying to the copy test? And I'm like, hey, I'm so sorry. I had a pitch. Like, you know, I just lied. And and then I was like, okay, fine. He wants a reply. I give him a reply. And I spent about four hours. The other copy test, I'd spent like a good six days, 10 hours. This one, I just spent four hours and sent it to him. And he just liked it. Mm-hmm. And uh, then, yeah, and then that's how I got into AIB. And then I broke it to him some point, I think, uh, four or five months. You were the Vijay Mandya. Fake Vijay Mandya, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there is such a thing as trying too hard, right? Because, uh, I mean, I've been trying to hire content marketers for my team as well. And, uh, you know, I asked them for some kind of a drip email or whatever it is. And, you know, I mean, they just try to put everything in there. And you sort of lose... Uh, you, you you miss the forest for the trees in some sense. You lose mm-hmm. sight of what the original purpose of the test itself was or, yeah, I mean, that happens. So let's move to some stories from the early days of uh, AIB. Uh, what was it like? I mean, when you joined them, you, you know, was there a team in place? Uh, you know, what, were there processes in place? I mean, was the writing, you know, sort of standardized? What was that like? 
Uh, see, early days was, I mean, I joined them in 2015 and uh, the, the roast had just come out and it was a it was an apartment and uh, it was the four of them and then there were two editors and then Girish and me, or two of us who had just joined. Um, so, um, there, there was no, pro- see, there was no process as such. Everybody just worked and my impression of the job was that, okay, it's going to be a very have fun at workplace job, but it was serious business. So everyone would work six days a week. Um, Everyone would sit around and write and every joke would be scrutinized. Every thought would be scrutinized. Uh, So, um, and for example, if you cracked a good joke, nobody like went laughing. It would be like, yeah, that's funny. That goes in. Like, you know, it was, it was very mathematical, the approach. Um, Yeah, it was technical. Uh, so, uh, it was serious business and, um, there was no process as such, uh, because there was literally no, not too many people around. Uh, it was just write and go direct and publish. So it's very simple. Um, so that, that, that was how it was in the early days. Yeah. What's it like to sit through like one of these review processes, right? I mean, I can imagine it would be dreadful. Like for example, Mm -hmm. you write a joke and then you know, three people reading it in pure deadpan expression. So what is that like? I'm sure it's not fun at all. Oh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a scary experience, you know, like, uh, especially, so the, the vetting process is pretty high at AIB. So, um, uh, for example, uh, you write a script and then you read it to your immediate, you read it to the four of them. And then there's feedback and then you read it to a room where you call people, about 10 of them, and you read it to them. It's a table read. Uh, So, you know, that's like so, like just, there is nothing scarier than reading a funny script and people just staring back at you Mm. and not laughing. So uh, that is just so scary and that just can, uh, that, that makes you so paranoid, so so what happens essentially is that the drive is from within uh, because suddenly what is supposed to be very subjective with laughter is not subjective because you get a laugh, it works. If you don't get a laugh, it doesn't. As opposed to you write a beautiful piece of, you write beautiful prose, you can always say that, hey, it may not work for you, but it could work for someone else. Right. Uh, it doesn't work for this set of people. There's another set of people it will work for. Uh, so uh, you can still fool yourself into believing you are good. Uh, but with humor, that's not possible, right? Because the feedback is immediate. So uh, so what would happen is you generally would outdo, you would push yourself way more just because of fear of embarrassment of people staring back at you when you read your script that was supposed to be funny. Right. So yeah. how do you set it up? I mean, if you were to, like, if you were to write a scene or something of that sort, right? Mm. Um, I can I kind of find it weird when I have to kind of explain these scripts to people because it's halfway mm. between, like, a stand-up comedy act and halfway between, uh, you know, uh, mm. some kind of a, a reading session. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it's uh, there. Uh, honestly, is no tech. You just read the script out. You'll be like, okay, a uh, film opens in this room. Uh, there are two people on a Zoom call, person one, person two. And uh, 
we are just spoofing this particular if you are say spoofing a particular scene we just say this is how the scene would have been and these this is what we are spoofing and then you just read out person one like one person reads out person one's lines one person reads out person two's lines one person reading out the directions so it's as simple it's essentially screenplay that is read out so we write the screenplay and with dialogues and that's what is read out okay uh yeah so it is uh, it's uh, like i said it's a very technical thing uh so it's not like just vaguely written out um like i i think that and i'm sure that is the impression people get when they see something funny on screen that it it could just be on the set or it could just be improvisation of course there is improvisation but a most like most deal of it is already planned and written out like a proper fully bound script right yeah so what is the process like i mean you know you mentioned earlier that there wasn't really like a creative process as such but mm. you do have to think of some of these execution elements right when you start out on a uh, you know when you start out writing anything right mm. um, and also the fact that you write so many different things it could be some kind of a skit it could be an advertisement it could be uh, it could be a, a line for a jingle or whatever so mm. how do you start out i mean i have i've seen different types of processes right so i've seen mm. uh, people who just spit it all out and then spend more time editing it and then i've seen people who come up with four or five different versions of something and then you know uh, sort of iterating and stuff so how do you how do you kind of put words on a page so my process is uh, completely I, i don't know like what i do essentially is say uh, it also depends what i'm writing and it de- depends on the deadline like how far away i am am i from the deadline uh so that plays the most important role if you ask me but like say if i'm writing an article or if i'm writing a satire piece what what i generally do is uh, for me the thoughts the most important uh writing for me is the last step uh grammar for me is the last step uh, mm-hmm. I, honestly i really don't give a shit about grammar uh so writing the act of putting it together is the last step so for me this is the thoughts like you know uh if i if i'm writing if i'm commissioned to write say a piece on something that happened today uh i just sit and probably spend 75% of my time thinking of angles thinking of observations uh and just putting these observations down uh like if i can give you an example say like uh um when ranveer and deepika padukone got married and like this uh, this i think i think print yeah print got in touch with me and said like hey can you just write a quick funny piece on this whole uh, marriage yeah so uh, i was like yeah sure and it was like i had like a night to turn that around and uh, for me the most important, i just spent i think till like 3 am in the morning not a word on the dock yet just thinking what is the angle like what is it that everyone is talking about that i shouldn't be talking about what is it that that one thing that nobody is talking about yet and also the danger right with writing humor is that people go on twitter and immediately tweet all right so most of the thoughts immediately get covered so you don't want to repeat yourself while writing an article yeah uh, so for me like finally the thought that hit me was that hey like how is it that there is not a single photograph of the wedding yet all right it if you know it was a fully cordoned off wedding and like media couldn't get one photo of the couple and for me i'm like shit that is the big story like how can i trust the media if they can't unearth or 
through their investigative journalism skills like if they can't give me one picture of deepika and ranveer how are they going to unearth big scams in the country like what is their qualification to kind of go and dig out like crazy yeah. financial or you know uh, political scams in the country i'm like bang okay that is the angle and so then i then then it took me about maybe 45 minutes to write the whole thing out because i got the most important angle and once you get that angle right observations around it like just be like okay like okay here's ndtv what did ndtv do they put up picture of the parking lot like you know saying that hey this is where the wedding is happening like, dude what the fuck like you know how can you put up picture of a parking lot i've come for pictures of wedding like what is this kind of journalism and one one yeah. one news channel is just like said that uh, it's going to cost 200 crores to put up all these guests so they have just gone to make my trip.com and like found the cost of this uh, lake como resort into number of people i'm like dude that doesn't work that guy is stupid like how oh, what's what is journalism that's that's not even that's poor journalism and poor mathematics also like you know so 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 you get your angle and then you just get observations yeah. around that angle then it just becomes extremely easy to write whatever you want right in whatever form even if it is mm. say for a sketch even if it is an article or even a status update interesting so you've spoken about you know your life as a writer so far so i want to talk about uh, your new gig which is you know you're a founder right now of this company called all things small um, why don't you tell us a little more about what all things small is about uh, it's a media company uh, where we want to specialize in uh, telling true stories uh, uh, so the every story has to be a true story rooted in the truth and the format can be anything like right from documentary docudrama uh based on true story uh podcast um you know a movie uh a uh, uh, a multi part episodic series so everything but it should it but but true stories so it is a lot of uh, it's a combination of journalism research and um screenplay writing and execution storytelling basically yeah storytelling so that is like okay. one of the core areas of uh, one of the core things that uh, at ads uh, we also have our media publications which will be live soon um so that is one thing that's happening and uh, then there is this true story business interesting so what's it like uh, you know transitioning to a founder you know you've been with uh, eib as a startup operator as such looking back you know what are some of the things that you wish you knew earlier as an operator mm uh interesting question i genuinely like um do you sympathize with founders more now <laughs> i yeah yeah i mean see it is uh, it's it it depends so uh, i mean i'm a co-founder i have four other uh, co-founders with me so uh, it's not like the whole load is on me so that really helps for starters finding the right partners and finding the right people to work with uh, and trusting each other fully uh, so there is very little micromanagement uh, so 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 i mean everything has its own challenges if you ask me very honestly um like at aib the thing was that we were not funded all right uh, zero funding completely independent we had to like uh, think of ways so uh, the constraints were insane like we would think of 
the starting point of any sketch is like, is it in one room? So you like, just imagine that every idea that you had had to be in like a room or maximum two rooms. Mm-hmm. So, and then you just, you, so you had to do a lot of jugad, not just in execution, but also in your writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those things were just insane, you know, like running an extremely tight ship uh, uh, where every other player in the market was uh, crazily funded. Um, and they had huge teams, big offices, big staff. And uh, here we were just like very few people trying to do everything. So we would write, then we would direct, then we would like literally uh, be assistants on set. We are managing costumes, we are managing the art, we are managing the post-production, everything. So <clears throat> it, uh, so that was, that was, that was quite tough. And, um, uh, you know, that, I, I think that sort of, uh, makes you, uh, that defines company culture. Um, and if you can survive doing all those things, I feel what happens is that, um, you become, work fit like you know nothing kind of uh, daunts you because you're like hey i mean like basically you're not using money to solve your problems you know i think that is what happens in most uh, startups these days where every problem for every problem the solution is you throw money you know uh, hey this is not working okay let's hire the best designer hey this doesn't let's hire the best like you know you just uh, you just keep throwing money at everything hey yeah, we've yeah. run out of space okay let's just buy like a hard disk factory like you know you don't care you just like keep so you keep throwing money at everything right so uh, you can't do that so that is something uh, that uh, you know i really learned at aib and that is something that we um, uh, religiously sort of um, uh, incorporate into ATS, where uh, try and solve with innovation, with um, uh, figuring things out with the team you have, instead of just throwing money at every problem. Yeah, I mean, this throwing money at every problem, uh, it really doesn't solve much. I mean, it alleviates a little bit of pain. I can understand, you know, uh, innovating under constraints, uh, you know, can be, a, it, it's challenging sometimes, right? Uh, and I'm not just talking about it from a creative perspective as well. Even if you, you know, come down here to Bangalore, I mean, having to build a, like a cutting edge application with a couple of engineers that you have, or with, you know, whatever little, you know, time, effort, resources that you have is definitely, uh, challenging, right? But mm. yeah, I mean, you, it's, it's, it's really the hard way of solving a problem, but it's the sustainable way of solving the problem. If you throw some money and, you know, acquire some users, for example, you still have to be relevant to them the time after when you run out of that money, right? So, yeah. And yeah. like, you know, just, uh, I, I, I see so many of, uh, so many startups where like they have a reception area. Are <laughs> 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 you not a hotel? You are not like a clinic. Why do you have a reception area? And that for me is like immediately I'm like, dude, this is just like I, I, I immediately I don't know. I mean, these might be successful companies or successful founders, co-founders, you know, startups. But I just judge them immediately. I mean, you have a reception area with sofas there. That is like good money, you know. Uh, and even inside offices, everyone's got their own mugs, and you know, so much, so much that is spent on things that 
don't really matter you know and um, especially in today's day and age like crazy big screen TVs in conference room like i will never get that like you don't watch movies in your conference room the maximum the tv is going to beam out are boring powerpoint presentations do you really need like a 40 inch or a 60 70 inch samsung flat screen fucking 3d tv to <laughs> sort of have a ppt that everybody is uh, yeah, facing and, and stuff yeah and have a ppt at the end of which it says thank you like you know is is that <laughs> like when when i look at those things i immediately i go like hey this guy doesn't know the value of money this guy uh, or girl uh, i don't know if can uh, build like a successful company so so i quickly judge you know these uh, these 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 things immediately yeah i mean i used to work for this guy who would kind of check out the model and make of those air conditioners and you know all of the fancy stuff and then you know bulk up the margin right on our uh, services yeah um somebody yeah, has I mean, to pay for it yeah someone has to pay for it obviously so all right so we're kind of nearing the end of this uh, you know podcast and there's much there's so much that we can talk about uh, maybe we'll have you back another time as well but can i have some quick answers to uh, what book you're reading right now right now uh wow I'm one of those who reads like couple of books at a time. I, I read like uh, two, three at a time. So right, yeah, right, I knew that. Right now, I'm reading like I think on my Kindle is the Great Gatsby. Uh, okay. Then I'm there is uh, then there is Freakonomics. I'd never read that oh, before. Please. Yeah, I'd I never oh, read yeah. that before. Yeah, it it was it, it started out like hey, this is uh, this sounds like little cool, and then yeah, it's yeah. just like uh, it's just like everything that you already know. uh you know it's like they they didn't I think that the drug, drug dealers live with their moms and stuff like that yeah they didn't know that the internet yeah. existed like when they were writing that book so <laughs> no, no, it so came that, out quite a while back i mean it came out i think uh, probably 10 12 years back i mean if i'm not mistaken uh okay. and i had the exact same reaction to it when i started reading it obviously you know the titles and everything were pretty interesting but um, yeah i mean it just was a little bit of a stretch to me if you ask me yeah yeah so yeah. Uh, i've been reading that uh then uh, uh hey what is that the last mogul uh that i've been lim dalripul yeah okay yeah these these three books is interesting. what i've been so what podcast are you listening to right now aside from this one of course Oh I should plug in our podcast uh, the ones which ATS produced oh, yeah. called special mission I listen to it once every hour yeah, yeah so <laughs> ask, ask your listeners <laughs> to go listen to that yeah, yeah. Uh, check it out definitely check it out it's amazing it's amazing so I think it's it, you curate uh, stories of courage and valor from our uh, armed forces if i'm not mistaken yeah. it's yeah. narrated by uh, gulpanag yeah who they uh, had a big crush on while we were growing up of course uh i mean <laughs> this is made very awkward right now so <laughs> we'll talk in our next uh so thankfully i i'm uh, so gorov from my team gorov was uh, who's my co-founder he's he's the brain he's just putting all of it together has done a okay. fantastic job so uh, yeah so other than these uh, so right now uh, washing vessels is the time where i listen to podcasts Same. um so i've uh, just i just finished this uh, jungle prince the the new york times uh, story they also have a podcast mm-hmm. on it uh, extremely good then i just finished listening day before to the dropout 
uh, uh, again, a fast, if you're a startup person, you have to listen to that. And that is everything that we spoke about. About um, So there's this company uh, that sort of raised a billion dollars in funding and they didn't have a product. So, uh, and so, yeah. so that, 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 that was a fascinating podcast. Uh, then there's Catch and Kill uh, uh, by Ronan Farrow. So that is about Harvey Weinstein's uh, case. Um, so yeah, these three is what I kind of listened to this week. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So any words of advice for, you know, fellow startup operators, uh, you know, people who are working at uh, fast growing startups and who are doing whatever it is, right? Sales, product, marketing, creative, uh, and so on. Um, I, I feel that, uh, like, like we discussed, I, I think, um, should never throw money at problems. Uh, I, even if your company uh, is into that kind of shit, like I think you should just uh, make sure that you because the the minute you get used to that, uh, I think it, it is yeah. it, it's going to have like a, a, a crazy impact on your career going forward uh, because you will be especially now with everything that is happening, you don't know what's going to survive. You know, you you, you really don't know if there is going to be another side and if there is the other side to this whole mess. How, it, how things are going to pan out. Um, so uh, I feel that, uh, you know, you become an and person uh, where uh, you, you can do many things. You can do sales and marketing and finance and uh, creative. So I think having an interest in a variety of uh, subjects uh, that is not core to your domain uh, is I'm thinking the way of the future as yeah. uh, opposed to being a specialist. Um, I think you need to be a specialist, but also you need to be a specialist and something else. Um, just like, for example, yourself, like you're a podcaster, musician and a marketing person. <laughs> but I think that kind of defines uh, the, the and in what you do uh, defines you way better in the crowd because the specialization that you're doing probably thousand people are doing that probably 10 people in your same company is doing that but it's what you do along with that that sort of defines your personality at work and i think that is very important so uh, yeah i think i recommended this book called uh, you know how to fail at everything and still win big by uh, scott adams the dilbert guy okay yeah, I, yeah, we spoke about this once. He calls it skill stacking, right? So he says, look, uh, I'm a writer, but I'm not the best writer. I'm a cartoonist, but I'm not the best cartoonist. Um, I know a little bit of economics and business having worked in corporate for a while, but I'm not the best at that either. But when I stack all of these together, I'm definitely in the top five or top 10%. Yeah, I mean, basically, Irfan Patan, before Craig Chappell came in. <laughs> just make sure, uh, you, you be like Irfan Patan, but just make sure you're not around Greg Chappell. So, I, I, I think that's, uh, I think Irfan Patan would have thrived, thrived in a startup, you know, like, yeah, I think yeah. he, would have, he would have really... Like perfect startup operator. Completely. Like he can do everything, yeah. a team man, um, and young, uh, and the problem is he had a bad boss. So yeah. um, I think if I'm be like Irfan Patan, like, you know. yeah. There's another book. Uh, I mean, I think it's out already, uh, which I want to read. It's called Range: How hmm. Generalists uh, Triumph in a Specialized World. Pretty interesting. Hmm. 
by this guy called David Epstein. So something to check out as well if you're into so, that kind of stuff. I mean, Gary, you 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 read a lot, man. Like uh, you are. Uh, no, dude, I'm trying to catch up. I'm trying suddenly, to catch up. Yeah, I mean, you are way more intelligent now than when you were a kid. I mean, I must give you that. Thanks, thanks, Dave. Thank God for small mercies. Thank you for complimenting the podcast. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Why don't you talk about some stuff that's coming up? We'll let you plug in all the cool stuff, even though that you know, I mean, you have probably like five thousand times the reach that we have. So, why don't you plug in all of the cool stuff on our uh, podcast as well? uh well a lot of things uh but i don't think i'm allowed to talk about it <laughs> uh so sorry about that but uh, there's another podcast that uh, you know we just put out called mahabharat uh with uh, dhruv rati uh, okay. that that is out um, so you could possibly check that out but otherwise um, uh we have a bunch of stuff that is lined up and uh, i think we should be able to announce some of it in the coming couple of months okay all the best yeah. to all of the good stuff that's uh, uh, that's coming up thank you thank so you. much uh, for coming on the podcast hopefully we'll do a repeat soon enough thank you so much for uh, having me uh, so weird talking to you uh, in a on a forum and being so decent i think this is the longest we've spoken Uh, yeah, yeah. We, this is the uh, longest we've look. This is the longest we've had a mature conversation, uh, right? With yeah, all with, the scatological elements of uh, you know what not. Yeah, it, it it really took a podcast for both of us to get mature and talk about things in the last twenty eight years. Yeah, wow. I feel I feel older, wise already actually. Yeah, that was another episode of the Startup Operator. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Hope you liked it. Every weekend we'll interview operators like Devaya uh, who are working at fast-growing startups, and we'll curate insights that can help you execute better. This podcast is available on all popular platforms. If you like our content, don't forget to subscribe and share. Until next time, stay safe. Take care.